You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Well, it's another year, and we're coming out of another Women's Month. And for me, I don't know whether we're seeing any difference. Hopefully, <laughs> helping me to make sense of all of this is Carla Wurtzis. Carla is a GBV and women's rights activist. Carla, welcome to the show. Hi, Chad. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you can hear the frustration in my voice, and I'm sure the listeners can, but every single year this time when we come to the end of Women's Month, I chat about what what Women's Month has been about. And the fact that it's something that shouldn't be in isolation one month out of a year because the police are very proud to release statistics of what they've done in that particular month and the NPA are, are, are quick to release their prosecutorial statistics of that particular month. Are we seeing a difference? Is this month making any change in the greater scheme of things? Oh, Chad, that's a hard one. <laughs> I guess it goes both ways. We can say yes because it raises awareness for the month, but overall I'd say no, because it shouldn't just be uh, one, one, one month a year that we see some kind of awareness. It shouldn't just be a protest for a weekend or a month. Um, no, the conversation hasn't been, hasn't been consistent throughout the year or throughout the years. It's only been consistent in a month. And even in that month, how consistent is it? Why do you think that with such a liberal constitution, and such a high proportion of representation of women in positions of government um, and in, in parliament, do we have the scourge? Uh, for me, it's a paradox. Liberal constitution, women in powerful positions, yet the highest rate of rape in a country that's not at war and the highest rate of femicide. In fact, the statistics are frightening. One woman dies every three hours at the hands of her partner. H- how, do we, how do we try and make sense of what we've been through as a country, having such a liberal constitution, yet having these astronomically, horrifically high figures of women abuse. Well, we can speak about how great our constitution is, but when last have we seen it actually do something for us? I mean, um, I always speak about the lack of education and how bad the education is and impacts every aspect of life. Um, so if we're raised in a society that is patriarchal, um, where a lot of misogyny lives and breeds, how can we actually say that our constitution is as great as we believe it to be? Um, if, if men aren't being raised in one way, and even women, women uh, in our country, I, I believe, are, are being raised as lesser than man, and uh, they should do this because men bring this in, uh, without being a uh, taught about the power that they have and hold and what and the power men can have alongside them as allies instead of abusers or yeah i read something interesting the other day it it said everybody knows of a woman that's been raped or abused or manhandled but conversely when you're in a in a group of men nobody knows that there's a man in that group that has has done something. It's like it, it doesn't get taken as seriously amongst men as it does with, with women. But we, we talk about this woke society. Are we seeing a change in attitudes from the younger generation of males? I think, I believe so, but also um, 
we can say yes, but how, to what extent? Because you can be a part of this woke society, but you're still not holding your peers accountable. I mean, you may be, a, like men are speaking about it, younger men are speaking about uh, what society has as an impact towards women abuse and things right now, but still they're laughing at rape jokes or they're laughing at uh, memes that get sent around or they, they're still supporting men who've been... Uh, Held accountable for the actions that they've they've done towards women, even if it's uh, artists or or musicians, things like that. They still support this. And yes, they can say, "I support women. I support women. I'll go to the protest. I believe in women. I stand by her." But like you said, every woman knows a woman that has been harassed or sexually assaulted. Uh, the statistic is one in three women um, in South Africa have been a victim of uh, abuse or harassment. But I, I on, on my personal, uh, with my friends and, and, and the generation I'm in, I can tell you every single woman has had some sort of harassment that's taken place towards them, whether it's been um, something small, just as like a cat call, or something to the extent of rape. It's not one in three women, it's one in three reported women. And just to clarify what I said earlier, what is reported and what we know is that one in three, not one in three, one woman dies every three hours yeah, at the yeah. hands of a partner. And that is that is absolutely shocking. And the reported abuse that hasn't led to murder goes wholly unreported. Obviously, murders are reported because somebody goes missing or a body is found. But it's the unreported statistics that are, are of such concern. We're going to take a quick listen to our advertisers. When we come back, I want to find out more from you about what civil society is doing and what civil society can do um, to, to push the, the envelope further. I think we need to talk more about how we can become more in your face. Because civil society is doing some stuff, but more stuff mm. needs to be done. We'll continue the conversation in a couple of minutes. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're talking about the all-important subject of GBV, femicide, and the associated abuse that women in South Africa endure. Every year we have a month dedicated to women, and we hear about the wonderful things that are happening to try curb the scourge, because there's no other way to describe the fact that one woman dies every three hours at the hands of a partner. The fact that we have one of the highest rape statistics in the world for a country that's not at war. And the fact that abuse is rampant. And for me, and I've mentioned this earlier, it's a complete and utter paradox that we've been a country that has come through so much in respect of our violent past, yet we're sitting with a situation that hasn't, declared, hasn't been declared an emergency. It isn't being treated as what it is. And every single day without fail, we read about another woman who's a victim of a sexual assault, a violent crime, or a murder. We're chatting to Carla Burtis today. She's an activist in the GBV environment, and she's been part of a non-profit organization that was pushing for GBV to become front and center. Carla, there's a lot of these organizations out there. Is their message getting heard? Is it being sent to the right people? Is it being done in the right manner? Well, I think you asked a great thing. Uh, is it being heard by the right people? The people who hear it are the people who want to hear it. And that's, that's where we fall short because people who are interested in making change somewhere like you, who's very, uh, 
um, excited to speak about it because it needs to be addressed. You will read the article. If somebody doesn't want to read an article or they don't want to be a part of a, this problem that is that is more than rampant in our society, it's it's not gonna. They're not gonna see it uh, because they don't want to. That's a valid point. Now, I spoke last week at length to to the listeners about artificial intelligence and how social media networks can identify what type of a person you are, what your interests are, and they can generate content specifically for you. Shouldn't social media themselves be taking a stand against all of all of this which is going on, not just in South Africa, but worldwide, and not just generate artificial intelligence and content that is suitable for your um, buying needs or your political interest, shouldn't they have an obligation to start sending out to everybody a message that just pertains to, you know, there's the scourge of, of, of violence, there's a scourge of abuse, there's a scourge of harassment, and perhaps they take a lead? Of course, of course. Um, I'm sure some of the listeners have seen on Instagram, if you post uh, anything on your story or any kind of post about COVID, immediately like an ad pops up or a disclaimer about uh, resources. So I think the same can be done with uh, TBV or women's rights. Uh, if, if you post perhaps something problematic towards women, that it should be taken down and reported, not just blocked. Um, or if you're trying to give... Any kind of information, there should be like also links to like these kind of resources. This is what you can do, but uh, basically like targeted ads, but more 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 resourceful. Because I think a lot of the things which are happening and which people read aren't necessarily a tool which will help women in the future. It's more just like bad news, bad news, bad news. But how are we gonna? get out of the state of bad news and what's happening if we don't have resources and tools to, to, to build on that. So we saw a lot happening in the United States with the Me Too movement, which spread worldwide. We saw issues pertaining to Harvey Weinstein. We saw issues pertaining to Bill Cosby. And then there was a massive scandal involving one of the biggest news networks in the world, that being Fox News Network. And this brought about a lot of people coming forward and, and telling their stories and those people that were involved were either blacklisted within the industry um, or they, they, they were in prison. Some of them are still in court. Some of them have appealed. Some of them have successfully appealed. In the one instance, Bill Cosby seems to have had one of the convictions overturned. But then you've got a situation which I saw on social media this weekend where Kanye West has dropped a new album. And two of the people that feature on that album are themselves the center of allegations um, pertaining to abuse of women, yet he, with his massive platform, is promoting these people. Surely there should be some way to address somebody that doesn't take these allegations seriously enough that he actually includes them in an album? Definitely. That's a very... Right now, that topic is extremely prominent in, in, in all fields of like the music industry and things like that. Where, where do we draw, draw, draw the line between ho- holding a, uh, an accused rapist, because that's the one guy, and, and, uh, 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 active homophobe to not be on an album, but <laughs> they are, they are, because that's, that's, that's the patriarchy of the world, because 
these are you're, you'd rather just want to listen to good music or what is perceived as good music than actually hold these men accountable for their actions. Um, and that's a lot of women go to this sexy, uh, secondary victimization. That's the thing. They can now say, or, or who one of the accused, the accused racist, um, he, now he has a platform to, to sing on a song. One of the one of the biggest albums that have just dropped is it's top top one on 140 countries at the moment, and it only dropped last night. And 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 the the woman who was raped by this man has to listen to this over and over and over again. Um, how do we hold these men accountable? Where do, where do we where do we draw this line? Do we stop buying music? Do we stop purchasing music? It's it's a it's it's a whole chat that needs to happen, which isn't happening because it's easier to not have the conversation than it is to to have the conversation and to face these realities. Because I mean, a lot of us fall into this. We do listen to the music. It's easier for us to just not speak about it and avoid the problem. But at the end of the day, it's the woman who it's happened to who's going to relate to something like that. It's the, the revictimization. It's something that can't be tolerated. We're going to break for a song. When we come back, I want to talk to you more about the South African situation, and the the situation that women face when trying to report these crimes and what they should do to get support perhaps before going and reporting and the important tips that you may have for women that need to report these crimes because obviously there's urgency in the time frame that they have to report it, but at the same time, they can't go to a police station without the necessary support. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting about GBV as a worldwide scourge, but more so in South Africa. South Africa with its liberal constitution, its high proportion of representation in Parliament of women, yet we have these incredibly high statistics of women abuse, women femicide and rape. Chatting to us today to help us make a little bit of sense of what's going on is Carla Buertis, who is an active um, GBV rights activist. And I say she's active because she's an activist <laughs> and she's an active activist. So that's a bit of a tongue twister. But I wanted to discuss something important with you, Carla, and that's the, the fate of, of victims in South Africa. Because we talk about fraud, we talk about corruption. I don't think people understand that fraud and corruption doesn't just revolve around monies and bribery. It also revolves around lack of service delivery. It also revolves around lack of investigation or lack of resources in investigating a crime or prosecuting a crime. So let's start at the beginning. If somebody's a victim of one of these crimes, what do they need to do? Obviously, they need to report it to the police. But where will they get support? Where will they get guidance? How would you guide somebody that you know has been a victim of one of these attacks? Firstly, um, we do have an incredible uh, uh, constitution when it comes to this. I mean, we have protection orders out, domestic violence, the Domestic Violence Act. Um, we have specific rights and services that are supposed to be provided in the Victims Charter, um, all of that. But I think the main thing, when you are a victim of any kind of violent act, um, there should kind of be an understanding, and it's a sad reality, that when you go and report this crime, you are going to face some sort of secondary victimization. That's up to you if you're strong enough to be the one who goes and reports it, or if you need to seek outside help. 
uh, or systems. Because honestly, it's terrifying to go into a place where they where they aren't taking you seriously. Um, can't even like I get so upset speaking about this. The fact that like videos circulate of police making fun of women who are just coming in, and it's not just uh, male police; it's also female police who are not taking it seriously. And the first question they ask is, "Are you drunk? Is this or this happening to you?" Um, but luckily, like we do have. Uh, GBV emergency contacts, which is like the GBV command center, uh, lifeline you can also get in contact with, and they, they support you through the process and they help you uh, to open cases when you're not strong enough to go in yourself. But with that, I think, I think one of the most important things for women to know is if it starts with microaggressions, is to take notes of it and to like keep, keep um, almost a, a diary of what's been happening to you because People want to see that it's happened more than once, and that's that's unfortunate. They 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 want a reason to be able to help you, and because of the state of this country, it's almost every girl it's happened to once. So why does this girl get more preference than this girl? Does that make sense? My concern is the revictimization. So, on a countrywide basis, are there enough? support groups, non-profits, civic organizations, non-governmental organizations, that if, if somebody's a victim, they can reach out and have those people come support them at that very important phase of opening the case, because we know that's the most important stage. And do women know what they need to, to keep as evidence, how they need to secure themselves as, as, as they themselves are actually a crime scene? Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's one of the things when I was working for the uh, NGO I was a part of, um, that's what we try to do is to raise awareness about the steps you take before you actually become a victim. And imagine imagine living like that, being able to, to take into consideration the fact that you may be a victim. Um, so we so what we did, the work we did was to to, to raise awareness and to, to create um, an understanding of steps to be taken. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know an NGO in your vicinity? Do you know safe places? Can you can you identify like an emergency? Get out if something happens to you. Um, do you have emergency contacts? Do you have a support system who can who can hold your hand through it? But in reality, until it happens to you, have you thought about those things? No and yes. We do have a lot of NGOs and we do have a lot of helplines out there, but the amount of volunteers and the people who can actually assist is, is far too short for, for, for the state that we're actually in. We're going to take a break to listen to our advertisers. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the conversation that shouldn't just be getting held between parents and daughters warning daughters of the dangers out there but the very important conversations that need to be held with the boys and with the, with the males in the family. We're going to take a quick break we'll be back shortly. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM Today we're chatting to Carla Buertis about something that I call the paradox of Women's Month and that's the fact that every year we have a Women's Month where we talk constantly about the scourge of GBV, femicide, and other abuse against women. We see statistics on the news. We hear about arrests being made and prosecutions. But then it ends, and then we wait until the next year, and it seems to be a vicious circle. Before we went to break, I said I wanted to talk about conversations that, that parents or other elders have. 
And we all know about the birds and the bees conversation. It's a conversation that parents have. These days, I don't know how young they have it with their children, considering what we see on television and social media. Um, and in America, there's a very interesting conversation that black parents have with their sons, and that is that their sons may be targets simply because of their, of their gender and their race for, for, for racial profiling. But there's a conversation that I don't think gets had in South Africa, or if it does get had, it doesn't get had enough. And that's the conversation that elders or parents should be having with their sons. And that is how their sons should be acting out there. Because I don't think that, that, that fundamental message is being put across. Carla, perhaps I'm an older generation than you, and I see things differently. Um, I grew up with, 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 a, with, with, a mother and a grandmother. I grew up in a, in a household headed by women and there was respect, but my mother never ever had a check with me as into mm. what her expectations were of me treating women. Is this a conversation that's been, been had? Is it a conversation that needs to be had? It needs to be, <laughs> needs to be had. Um, if you think about it, it's, it's not even a saying, it's just something that is. Boys will be boys, you know? Um, and like, why are we teaching girls not to be raped or how to not be raped instead of teaching boys to not be racist? It, it's the conversation is not happening, and it's not just your generation, Chad. It's even mine. If I think about what I learned growing up or have learned, and the people around me is don't walk on on uh, don't walk down the road alone. And if you need to go to the bathroom, even in a place you know, you go with a group of friends. And and those small things, like I, I speak to my brother about this often. I say to him, do you know how, how, how it is to be a woman having to check your back? You can't walk to the shop alone. Um, you, you, you hold your keys in your hand. You, you have pepper spray on you. But men don't even think about that. They don't even think, not once, not twice. But why haven't we held them accountable to have these conversations, it's easier to—it's easy to say it's a, uh, it's a generational thing, but it's not because even even people younger than me aren't even speaking about it. I don't think people know how to go about it. It's easier to to try protect your daughters than it is to try raise your sons in a in a in a better manner. Because what is it? You're a man. You're a man. Boys will be boys. And, and this for me is a strange situation because. We mentioned at the outset of our conversation that if there's a group of women together, they know that there's somebody in that group and they've spoken about it that's been a victim. But when there's a group of men out together, there will, it, 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 it's not statistically speaking, it's a given that there's men within that group that have committed some or harm, some harm or abuse towards a woman, but it doesn't get spoken of. They, the man doesn't get called out for it. How do we change this? How do men start taking responsibility for the men they associate themselves with? And how do they start disassociating themselves and, and making these men what they are, pariahs? I think each each man in that situation or, or boys growing up or in, in a group of friends, firstly, it starts on a personal level. It's holding yourself accountable. Uh, I believe like if a woman tells you, what you're doing is uncomfortable, then you should really take a step back and be like, what have I done to make this woman uncomfortable? Because I think the lack of understanding of what harassment could be or what abuse is, for men, they don't see it as that. They could just be uh, passing by and like, 
saying uh, they could catcall a woman and they think it's a compliment. It's not. So I think holding yourself on a personal level accountable for your actions then will allow you to have the conversation with your friends and be like, well, I got called out for this and I understand why I did it. And I see your behavior is similar. Let's speak about it and let's start changing this behavior. There's a lot of stuff that's perceived as taboo to speak in public or to take a stand against. One of those things in South Africa that still exists, despite the fact that we have this liberal constitution, is the fact that correctional rape is still something that's happening. And for our listeners that don't know what correctional rape is, it's it's when a woman who chooses to, or not choose a woman who's lesbian, is 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 attacked by a man who believes he can correct her because she shouldn't be gay. And this in itself doesn't get spoken of, yet it is so right, especially in rural areas and the township environments. We don't see anything on television, anything on radio, anything in the print media that talks directly to the men who who have this this warped perception of what a gay person is and that they can't be corrected. This is who they are. And this is why we have this constitution that accepts all. What do we do about this, Carla? Chad, sure, this is a, this is a, quite a question. Uh, it's hard because if there's a lack of understanding on what abuse is or assault is and what rape is for a man, there's even less of an understanding about that. It's, I think men have this kind of ego that they, they are allowed to own anything. They're allowed to own a woman. And now they're faced with a woman who is gay and they cannot logically understand why, why this woman doesn't want me. So I will take what I want from her until I understand that she wants me. That conversation is so in-depth. And like, like you said, in rural areas in, in South Africa, it is, it is so rife about what's happening, but that's the least. That's, that's not ever spoken about. I mean, I can count on my one hand the amount of times I've seen that in print media or on the radio or anything. Uh, and it, and it's sad. How do we even start that conversation? I mean, we're not even having the conversation at the moment about GBV. Other than in Women's Month, how are we going to speak about corrective rape? Are these NGOs empowered enough from a, from a funding perspective to, to join forces and to launch campaigns in the media? Are the media prepared to subsidize this type of important messaging? Or is it the role of government that should be putting it out there on the public broadcaster, be it on TV, be it on radio, be it them buying advertising space in, in newspapers? I think government, government needs to be held accountable. I mean, when, when the protest happened um, in November 2019, it was a huge thing that we're going to see this massive change and all of this. But have we seen any change? Not even slightly. Um, I mean, all the NGOs can come together and start this campaign and a movement and whatever, but there's no funding because they're not backed by the government. They'll, they'll be backed maybe for a weekend here. Somebody will release an article on what they're doing, but it's, it's not a constant, a constant backing or, or anything. It's just, I, I think it's companies who want to be involved for when it's Carl, this is an important conversation. In closing, I want I want two things from you. First of all, as an activist, I want to know what, and, and you being the activist, I want to know what you want to see more of. I want to understand what what you believe needs to be put out there and how it should be put out there. 
And then secondly, I want to find out from you, who are the organizations that our listeners should be talking to if they themselves are victims or they know of victims? Sure. (laughs) I think, like I said in the beginning of our conversation, education, education, education. We need to, we need to speak to, to our boys. We need to speak to our girls. We need, we need to empower our women in our country. We need, we need allies. We need men to ally around us and not just, not just during Women's Month, but the whole year round. They need to call their friends out. Um, we need to hold more men accountable, whether they're in top positions or they, or they in your household. Um, and then secondly, there's like a few NGOs that are out there. My personal favorite would obviously be like Power, um, Women for Change SA. Uh, the, the, I work for Kahuka. They're doing incredible things at uh, ground level. Sanke gender, gender, gender Violence, you can also contact them. So all of these organizations are there. They're easy to find if people look for them. And the support for women is there should they look for it. Are a lot of women afraid to look for a collar? Terrified. Terrified. I mean, why would a woman want to call themselves a victim? We think of them as survivors if they can come out and help others. Do you yeah. think that they, they overwhelm because there's, there's such a, a massive amount of this going on that they think they're just going to become a number or statistic? Definitely. De- definitely. Because essentially in our country, you are becoming a number and you are becoming a statistic. Um, and I think that's why the conversation should happen constantly so we can empower the women, not just uh, what, what some people call victims, but empower it to becoming a survivor and somebody who's strong enough to stand above any challenges she's ever faced and to stand over what has happened to her. Uh, yeah, Chad. Carla Burgess, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Chad. For our listeners out there, this is a conversation you need to have with your your children, your nieces, your nephews. It's something that needs to be spoken about. We need to put taboos aside because people are getting hurt. People are losing their lives and lives are being ruined. And remember, we have a helpline 0800 24 24 36. And there's a lot of organizations out there that can assist. Carla mentioned one being Power, P-O-W-A. Look them up and there are other organizations. There will be a podcast of this conversation. It will be uploaded within the next 24 hours. If you think somebody should listen to the conversation, perhaps you suspect they may have been a victim, but they don't want to talk about it, let them listen. Let them speak out. Because sometimes if they don't speak out, they're allowing a monster to carry on preying on those that are vulnerable. My name is Chad Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'll be back same time, same place next week, right here on 101.9 High